everybody, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And this is Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated to the show The Haunting of Hill House. Today we'll be covering the third episode from Netflix TV series The Haunting of Hill House titled Touch. Touch. I like this one. You like this one? It was a good one. It was, I think it pulled on your emotional heartstrings a little bit more maybe. like Yeah. Not, I guess more like, uh, not really emotional. What would it be? Because you had you had some icky factor in there, a little yeah. bit of anger, emotional anger, maybe I think would be the way that I'd put it. Definitely some emotional anger. There was definitely this was probably I mean I've been scared so far for sure. I mean uh, there's been some scary moments, but this one probably got me the most so far. So yeah, this was more of like a realistic, and it was the it's always the kind of thing like the ghosts. Mm-hmm. Like that's not the scary thing; it's the humanity. Yeah, um, a lot of that in this episode. But excited to break this one down. I am too. So with that, let's jump into our top five. And I'll start it off this week. And my, I'm gonna leave this one kind of generalized just a little bit. I know we're gonna probably talk a lot more um, into detail and in, in how this is kind of related. But I wanted to talk a little bit about Theo's powers. So I like how we've gotten to see. The Crane Kids so far, Theo being in the order of the middle child, third child, um, we get to see her perspective of things and what has made her who she is today, but also um, coming to the conclusion that she is sensitive. Um, we've seen her in other episodes where she wears these gloves and she, you know, doesn't really explain it too much. You know, she her the uh, her little niece at the dinner table tries to wear gloves to replicate what she does, and she just kind of writes it off. She tells her new lover that she's a germaphobe, and that's why she wears gloves. Um, uh, but we, but we, yeah, we learned. A I little- just didn't think about it, but her niece wearing the gloves, uh huh, might be wearing the gloves because of the same reason that she does. She might. She Cause, might. Because Colin family is it Colin or Colin? Crane, what the hell am I thinking? Crane. <laughs> the crane, the crane females were all sensitive. So yeah. if that trend continues, I I, I, I didn't think about that until you just said it. So that, that might make sense why she wears gloves. Right. Maybe we'll find that out in a later episode because we didn't find out Theo was until this episode in the yeah. third one. So it was just kind of like, why is she wearing gloves all the time? Which I like gloves. I think gloves is a great accessory, even if you you know <laughs> don't need them for that kind of reason. I just like gloves. Um. So yeah. Um. When she touches someone or an object, she can feel their embedded traumas or their history. And I I found it really interesting when she's using her powers in the past and in the present, we see the traumas are associated with basements and seeing as how it kind of reminds me like seeing basements as being used as a metaphor for buried trauma. Mm, There's a lot of buried trauma in this whole series and in this episode as well. Um, especially uh, in present day where she's dealing with that little girl that she's help, trying to help. But I, I, th- I thought it was interesting. Some of the things that we saw in the episode, and I'm going to get your thoughts on, on, on it as well, is she touches a bed, um, and this is when she's the younger Theo, and she says it's a sick bed. Mm-hmm. And just she was so shaken from that. Um, it makes me wonder, did someone die in that bed? 
Um, you That's, know, maybe not just a sick bed. I mean, she looked pretty shaken up. Yeah, I mean, it seems like whenever she touches things, it seems like she almost gets sucked into that situation that happened. Mm-hmm. So I kind of feel like when she touched that bed, she just went through whatever that bed holds. That makes sense. So makes when sense. she, you know, it's like a sick bed. So it may be one person died there, or maybe this was a house that housed a lot of um, hurt people or sick people. And when she touched it, she mm-hmm. kind of had everybody that's died or had issues in that bed kind of go through her. It's that's true. Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking anyway. Yeah, it real it whatever it was, it definitely shook her. I mean, she could touch other things and just kind of get the feelings, um, but it didn't quite shake her like that. So that was interesting. Plus, she's a kid. If if you you know think of how traumatizing that would be just for a kid. Yeah. Um, and then what's what was worse than that is she touches her mom, and oh my gosh! And it's like, is that like a premonition of what? Yeah, was that's my question. To her mom. So, so th- th- this is really jumping to my number one, but my number one's a sensitivity. Mm-hmm. But yeah, when she touched her, he's like, okay, can she see the future too? Because we see her mom, yeah. it seems like, I don't know if it looked like she had like trauma to the head, it looked like to me. Yeah, it did. And it, you know, I, just as a kid, like not knowing why that happens, like that would freak the shit out of you. Yeah. And then you touch your mom and you see that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like what's, well, and, and, being a, a kid, you don't understand why, why am I feeling these things? You know, why, why do I feel this? Why do I, you know, like when the housekeeper, Mrs. Dudley touched her, cause she didn't even have to touch her herself. Mrs. Dudley touched her on the shoulder mm-hmm. and she said, well, she's not mean. She's just scared. Um, yeah. So she can, you know, just pick up on feelings and she doesn't really understand why, but that's one thing. But then to see something like if there, she's in a sick bed and people have died in that bed because it was a sick bed, um, that's got to be pretty scary. Don't know what the hell is going on. Um, and then she to see your mom the, like that, too, is terrible. Yeah. And she seems the most grown up of all the kids, too. It <laughs> yeah. seems like she really has like just this understanding of and I guess if, you're, if you've gone through your whole life touching things and seeing things, mm-hmm. I'm sure that would kind of almost force you to grow up quicker because you've kind of inadvertently had more experiences than a kid your age typically does. Yeah. Not just and bad she, or good, but just it seems like she touches anything, she sees something. Yeah, and she definitely is not just as an adult because she is that way then too, but as, even as a child, she's pretty closed off. She mm-hmm. seems like yeah. she already has walls built up. Like even without having gone through the experience and what what's happening there at Hill House, seems like she's just already that person. She has these walls to protect herself and to keep herself, what she says, uh, safe. So I just want to kind of touch a little bit on her powers and and you know we've you know finding out that she has those powers and now we know why she wears the gloves. And I just want to kind of talk about that. I know we'll talk more about um, how that played out throughout the episode, but that's my number five. I like it. Uh, so my number five, I'm going to stick with Theo, but it's get my fucking PhD. <laughs> yes. So, you know, we had a little of experience with her brother selling their story. Mm-hmm. And we, it, there's a little talk about like, you know, he's taken some li- or some liberties with it and changed it up some. Mm-hmm. And we see the whole family around it. And he's like, I want to give each of you, I think it was like eight or 10%. Yep, 8%. So, uh, essentially, he was going to take just over 50% and the rest of them were going to get, you know, the remaining you know, 24, I guess there's what, four of them, right? Or three of them. There's four. Yep. 32%. So he's given up 32% of his profits, which probably he could have given a little bit more. Probably should have been a 60, 40, maybe 50, 50 between him and the rest of the family, but whatever, you know, it's still sharing money. Mm-hmm. 
And each one of them going off their eldest sister is like, no, we're not taking any of this money. It's blood money. Shitty. Go away. We don't like you. And Theos sees that this is an opportunity. It's, you know, something that it's something she can take. And honestly, she's done good with it. Yeah. So it's kind of taking this. Again, we talked about it a couple episodes ago. It's like, well, is this is a shady of their brother? Is it, you know, where, where does that kind of stand, I guess? And yeah. I have a tough time trying to determine, like, well, is he a dick for doing it? Or is he is he taking the right opportunity? And even even the 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 siblings, the sisters anyway, I think it might have just been Theo, was really giving him a lot of shade of like, oh, I, you know, it's interesting you could write this whole book when you're awake for, what, five minutes of it? <laughs> yeah, Theo calls him out on it for yeah. sure. And, but she takes this opportunity. She gets some money, and she's going to do good with it. And she's, you know, he says, you know, hey, what are you going to do with this? You're going to buy a car, and like he really went to like material things, which um, he didn't seem too materialistic. But um, I, you know, I think whenever somebody wins money, it's always a question or gets money. It's like, oh, well, you know, what are you going to do? You're going to buy something material, and she's like, no, I'm going to get my PhD. Yeah, and she does. She goes out, gets her PhD, and uh, from this episode, we learn a ton that she is a child psychologist. Mm-hmm. Um, she has no problem like using, I guess, her powers or her skills to kind of help these children through their issues. Mm-hmm. And we come to find out that she's, I don't know if you'd say saved or rescued, but she's at least taken these kids out of some bad situations. Yeah. Because as she figures out what's going on with Mr. Smiley on the phone, she says, just send the cops, kind of asking, well, do we have proof? And it's like, have I ever been wrong? Right. So it, you know, you think about the stuff she's seen, just as an adult touching people, just to see or know that she's had to experience things that these kids have experienced, and knowing that that stuff is happening is just uh, just I makes know. you hate humanity more than I anything. Know. It, it, this one was hard to watch because of of the content, um, and I, I I like that you brought up their attitudes towards Steven. I know we talked a little bit about it in a previous episode, probably Steven's episode when uh, they were talking about him offering the money. And I, you know, they, we initially just kind of saw everybody was like, no, this is blood money and we're not accepting it. And how dare you for writing this book? And, and we talked about their feelings on it. And I thought it was really interesting. You know, we initially saw all of them together and they were like, no, but then she comes back to him later and she's like, okay, I'll take your money. And I think because she, I think what makes Theo interesting is she's a middle child. And I think it enables her to see the world, not as black and white, like her siblings do. Um, Shirley sees things very black and white. She's very like, we're just not doing this. Nell's kind of the same way. It's not right. And I think that um, Theo has this ability to kind of see, like she's able to see the grays and not so black and white, if that makes sense. Like she can see the gray morality in it. You know, she's like, okay, I don't like what you've done. I think it's bad, but I'm going to take what I think is, you know, not so great and not the greatest situation in this story that you've written about our family. And I'm going to do some good with it. I'm going to take it. I'm not going to go buy a new car or go buy myself a fancy new purse or something like that. I'm going to do something good with this. I'm going to take it and do something good with my life, progress my life, do something advanced, and then I'm going to use it to help people. So yeah, I think that's a really good point is that she 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 does it to help others and it's a secret. Don't tell Shirley. Yep. You know, yeah, she's <laughs> good with secrets, so Yep. <laughs> so I like that. It's a really good point. Yeah, I think it's you know, I mean, you see there there's a lot of people I think who have 
taken some kind of tragedy or something in their life and you know they have a book deal from it or they, they go on speaking tours to try and share their story to help others. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't really think in his case he's really sharing the story to help others, but yeah, I mean, you really have to see like, okay, here's what the story actually says. Here's what happened. Right. Um, but it's a very public thing. People know about this haunting of Hill House. It doesn't so, yeah, sound like gonna, anybody knows the real truth. That's true. Yeah. Because Theo's like, well, we know dad's tabloid version. I know Nell and Luke's ghost stories. And she's like, mm. sorry, Nell. And then she calls out Shirley and Steven for, you know, just basically being in denial and calling everyone everyone crazy yeah. for it. So we don't really know what the hell happened. We we see clips and little pieces and glimpses of what happened that night, but we're getting different perspectives. So we're having to like take these puzzle pieces and say, okay, well, here's what happened over here. And here's what was happening in that moment from all the kids' perspectives. But we don't know what happened. Yeah. Hope, hopefully we find out. <laughs> I think the only person that probably knows fully what happened would be Theo. Cause it seems like her power is the one that's the most powerful. Cause mm-hmm. we see her towards the end of here. And it, this kind of goes in the sensitivity, sensitivity in your number five, when, the whole night happened and she touches her mom or touches her dad. Yeah. She kind of gets visions of him, you know, throwing her against a wall and just yeah. yelling at their mom or yeah. doing something. Yeah. Doing something. And she, she was scared to that extent. And I'm trying to remember. So this is something else that's kind of thrown me off. Um, in the very first episode, we heard a baby crying. Mm-hmm. And I, for, I, I didn't really think about it till this episode. Cause I thought Theo was the youngest in the baby. There's no baby in this no. house at all. No. So, again, baby crying when there shouldn't be. <laughs> you know, dots started lining up. Uh, Never good. No. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, I. I. And I think you're right. I think Theo is going to be the key to to what really happened. And I think if any one of them can kind of figure out and get to the truth of of things, it's going to be her. Yeah, for I sure. Agree. But yeah, it's my number five is getting my fucking PhD. <laughs> Theo's a badass. Mm-hmm. Love her. Good number five. I like it. Um, so my number four, I'm gonna talk. Uh, I'm just gonna like dive in. I feel like if I talk about it, it will make it a little less scary for me because I've watched the episode like three times and I've legit, even though I know it's coming. Um, I just can't with this damn episode. It scares the living shit out of me. And that is the basement when Luke yes. goes to the basement. Um, so like I said a few minutes ago, this show from the very start, I mean, has been super creepy. When you see the hidden ghosts um, creeping around corners or peeking out from the side, you know, a, a room somewhere. Um, it all scares the shit out of me. And then, of course, the jump scares with like the bent neck lady in the mm. first episode and stuff. That shit gets me. I'm really loving how the show really gets me. But this one has topped it. I mean, this one exceeded it so far, and I'm only in the third episode. But I think what makes it so scary is I truly felt like I was in that dumbwaiter with yes. Luke. I mean, I don't know what it is about this show. I, I'm not very technical as far as like, you know, what it is that they do to make you feel like you're right there. But for me, I felt like I was Luke in that dumbwaiter. And I, I felt my heart racing. I felt his terror. And when he was scared and asking, you know, Theo to please get him yeah. back up. And he's like, you know, he, his little voice was shaking. That little boy actor, I don't know his name in real life, but holy hell, that boy pulled off, you know, extreme terror to to the, to like, just 
perfection because he's like can you please bring me up now and his voice <laughs> well, is shaking and i'm like crying in I, fear I did some for research. this little boy I did some research. What they did is they actually put that boy in that basement, pitch black, for like hours. Oh, <laughs> so that it's, they actually just cut it really, really well. And then when he was quiet, they actually sent somebody in in that outfit. So, the, so the qualifying um, audition <laughs> is to actually go through some real trauma. They want to yep, make it yep. as real as possible. <laughs> <laughs> this kid's going to be scarred. No, yeah, it's it. It, I think like this really did kind of like the original. I think uh, Hell House TV show with um. I can't remember who starred in it. It's the the famous guy with the famous laugh. Um, Vincent Price. Vincent Price, yeah. Where it's your imagination and not seeing things is scarier than anything you could ever see because we see the thing coming at us and we know what it looks like, Mm -hmm. but we don't see what happens. And he's down there for a good two or three minutes. Yeah, screaming. We're used to like these situations being like, oh my gosh, something's coming and all of a sudden right before it gets you, you're pulled up. We got that, like, it's almost at you, it's going to get you in. Oh, we're cutting to the family trying to get him up as he's screaming for a minute or two as this mm-hmm. thing is grabbing him probably. No, no. And it didn't hurt him, but it ripped his shirt and she did find it. But this was, yeah, I think it was just the fact that you see this situation and it's such a, a tr- he's trapped because he sees a ladder, but he can't go anywhere and you can't do anything except let this zombie-esque ghost crawl towards you. Mm-mm. And it was horrifying. And to think of it, it's like this is like a six- or seven-year-old kid yeah. you know, who wanted to have fun, wanted to ride in this dumbwaiter, and it doesn't go up, it goes down. Mm-mm. And my thought's like, oh, it's going down. What else is down? Like the pits of hell. And that's essentially where he kind of ended up. No, this, that, that was probably the, one of the most terrible things I've ever seen maybe in my life, except for maybe what I've experienced in, in real life. But seeing that, like I said, it felt, I felt immersed in this episode and I felt like I was sitting in that dumb waiter. And when you can see that thing, when its hand comes out from behind the barrel, it it's like you're sitting exactly where Luke is. So you have that perfect uh, view of what he sees and that damn thing, that arm, all you see is just the arm that comes out and mm-hmm. that's it. It's so slow. It's just sitting there. And I immediately, I remember when I first saw that my first watch, I was, I, I like to torture myself and I do watch <laughs> these at night. I watch them at, you know, um, in the evenings when I'm going to bed, I don't know why I do these things to myself, but that's just how it plays out. Plus I feel like scary things should be watched in the dark. Yeah. Um, at night, um, but I'm by myself. Uh, my dog hates me uh, for watching this show because she freaks out. She, um, you know, I start jumping and I scream or I, or I have something in my hand, like I have the remote control in my hand and it goes flying <laughs> up in the air. That was the scariest goddamn thing I've probably ever seen in my life is that damn What's thing that? coming out from behind the barrels. Uh, it's that flickering light too. It's like you can kind of see it, then it's gone away. You can uh-uh. kind of see it's gone away. And as it's do as you do, as that's happening, it's getting closer and closer and closer. And well, it's, and it's ugh. eyes, like Luke is shining the light on it and its eyes are like glowing. Yeah. What the fuck? No, I'm just, I'm, I'm traumatized. This show's fucking me up. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> this this is really competing with things I've seen in real life and experience that have scared the shit out of me. And this show is doing a damn good job. Um, so that's that's my number four. A little bit more lengthy than what I planned, but I had to talk about it because for me it was I'm traumatized. <laughs> yeah. Well, that kind of leads into my number four a little bit. I call it the speakeasy, but mm. you know everything they're saying. Like Luke went down there, and the whole thing was like, "There's there's no basement. This house does not have a basement." Yeah. And Theo's like. No, it does. Like, and, and I, there's a little bit of like, 
what the hell are you thinking as a parent? Like he went down. Where somewhere. did he go? Yeah. And they said like, it was a crawl space or something. Yeah. Like why would a dumb way to go to the crawl space? And even if it is like, don't you think you should look down there? Like exactly. figure it out. Yeah. Uh, but Theo finds the secret holding, figures out that this used to be a place where it was a speakeasy, which I mean, kind of shows the history of this house even more because, you know, during the prohibition, you know, a lot of people I think know that it was a pretty violent time. Yeah. It's, you know, there was a lot of, you know, gangs that built up from this and, you know, they would try to control the the illegal alcohol at that point. And there's places that were speakeasies where you could go down and do stuff. And for them to keep like a ledger of who was there, you know, the only reason I could think that you would keep a ledger is probably for blackmail purposes. You know, I want to use this against somebody mm-hmm. um, or protect ourselves. So it's like, well, if you go to somebody, hey, I've got all this information. Uh, but it definitely showed the skill of Theo that she could Scooby do this. You know, mm-hmm. I kind of wrote down she's like Batman. You know, yeah. she's able to investigate and find all this stuff, and she discovers that there's a this you know speakeasy downstairs. Now, the one thing that I was like, don't do that, Theo, was when she went to open that like fridge looking thing because oh. I thought only bad could happen when she did that. We don't see anything, but then mm-hmm. again, we don't know if maybe as she opened that, we see twenty of these zombie ghosts crawling through. <laughs> But, no. you know, you, you kind of mentioned a lot of it, but yeah, that's kind of my number four a little bit is just this speakeasy that they found and just showing that this house has a lot of history, maybe bad mm-hmm. history uh, yeah. tied to it. Well, and I mean, it makes me wonder, will this come into play later? Maybe, yeah. You know, the this book that they found uh, or the history, is that somehow going to be tied into something later in the series? You know, that the fact that it's there and hidden and not in any blueprints and things like that. So it's, it'll be curious to see if, if that is just something for this episode for, you know, to kind of expand on Theo's powers and how she was able, you know, um, to, to go down there and see what happened. Well, she didn't see what happened to Luke, but she she could kind of feel when she found that little piece of his torn pajamas. Yeah. And she could say, oh, you were really scared. Like, you weren't just playing or being a baby about being well, in the dark. You were scared. And the fact that it was like all the way on the other side of the room, like mm-hmm. that's not like, you know, you, you rip it off, you throw it like right next to the door. Like you wouldn't. So that's the thing too. Like, did he get pulled all the way over there? I, yes, that's what, like he got pulled out of the dumbwaiter is what it seems like, you know, because uh, it was, it was like in the middle of the dirt floor. Go, I'm, I, I seriously yeah. have goosebumps right now. I can't even tell you how fucking chills running. Down that poor kid. It's just not cool. These, these but, kids and what they went through. If you want to look at it in a bright side, maybe this was like the party central of like forever. Like people went here to party. So that's why there's so many ghosts. They're like, this was where I got shit faced all the time. <laughs> it was fun. I partied. I danced on all the bar, like the bar yeah. tables. Greatest time ever. You know what? Beer pong created in this place. <laughs> and so they're like, we just want you to open up this speakeasy again so we can party like it's 1939. That would be fun. Gosh. Yeah. Everybody, you know, I've never played beer pong. For me, it was quarters. That's how old I am. Uh, I suck at beer pong. Apparently, the last time I played beer pong, which was when I wore my short shorts, I was trying to provoke (laughs) the person we were playing, which I think was a dude. I don't even remember it. My wife had to tell me about it. She's like, yeah, you were trying to take off your belt and your pants, and we had to tell you to stop. I was like, oh, well, sorry about that. That happens to me, too, whenever (laughs) I've had a little too much. People are usually ushering me out of the room. Like, no, no, you've had enough. Time so for you to go it, home. <laughs> if I end up in the haunting of Hill House, I'm going to be the pantsless ghost. Oh, my gosh. Sean and his Daisy Dukes <laughs> haunting you forever. 
Oh, but that's my number four is just the speakeasy. I like it. Yeah, I, I think it definitely, if anything, even if we don't see it further in the series, like anything else come out of that, at least adds to the history of the house, the, this very rich, mysterious, um, mm-hmm. you know, history of the house. So that's, it was super cool. Uh, my number three, uh, you mentioned already sensitivities. Uh, I'm just going to kind of go another way with it and talk a little bit about how we did learn about her touch sensitivity. And do any of the other, other crane kids have something similar? Um, Liv, her mom said she does, and then it's tied to her migraines and her grandmother did. So it seems to be like a female Mm-hmm. kind of trait that is that runs through the family. So I find that really interesting because we've seen Liv um, have one of her migraines and she talks about it like it's one of the worst ones that she's ever experienced um, in this house. Um, I also found it interesting um, talking about how the kids have may or may not have certain sensitivities or gifts or something or something that makes them special. Um, it seems that not all the kids really see the ghosts we know Luke does. He's got his uh, invisible friend, uh, Abigail, the ghost oh, yeah, in yeah. the blue dress that hangs out in the garden. Uh, we know that uh, Nellie sees the bent neck lady. I haven't really seen Theo. She feels things like she can feel the cold. Like when her mom says, hey, can you feel this cold spot? And she says, yeah. And she's like, no, if you move over here, you don't feel it anymore. And she goes, no, I still feel it. This whole house is cold. And then when they walk into that room, when they're checking out that little um, indoor intercom system, the little phone thing, and when they're in, in the kitchen and then go up to that bedroom where the sick bed is, um, uh, Luke walks in and he's like, Ugh, what is that smell? And she's like, what smell? And he goes, "That you don't smell that horrible mm. smell? And she goes, it smells the same as the rest of the house. Yeah. So it's like... You know, he he can only smell it in that room. She smells it in the whole house. She thinks the whole house is cold. She's wearing sweaters because it looks like it's summer. Everyone else is in dresses and shorts. She's always wearing sweaters and talks about how cold the house always is. And then her mom also is like when she gives her the glove, she's like, well, you can have it for when it's cold and for the other thing. Um, So I'm kind of interested. And then like Shirley and Steven don't seem to... They don't see anything. No. Theo and Shirley did experience the banging on the walls. Yeah. It seems like Steve hasn't like experienced anything no. at all. No. He, he's done taking everyone else's stories and put them in the book. Um, but Shirley didn't see anything, but she did hear. Steven never saw anything. Um, so I don't know. I'm just I'm curious what you think of that and, and if you have any thoughts. Uh, I mean, just kind of the same thing that I kind of mentioned before, I think, um, I, I do think that all the, the, the daughters have some type of sensitivity. Mm -hmm. Luke, I think it's probably just more of maybe right time. Well, you know what, actually just a thought. So Steven hasn't seen anything. All the girls have Mm -hmm. Luke and Nell are twins. Right. So he was born with, a. I don't know what uh, Shirley's maiden name is, but he was born with, I'll say for lack of knowing the the maiden last name, a crane daughter. So he has a connection to Nell in a way. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's why he has a little bit of a sensitivity. It's true. Because I don't think the father's seen anything. No, they're just too busy calling all the kids like overdramatic and, you know, oh, you're just – you're just scared or you're dreaming or, you know, whatever. 
I guess if you've got all that money sunk into a house, you're like, just hang on for another 30 days, kids. We've got to get this sold. We just got to flip this house, and then we're out of here. Suck it up, and then we're going to be in our forever home. If you don't like the house enough, just light a fire somewhere and let it burn down. We'll take the insurance. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm, uh, it's it's interesting to to finally see that that's why she wore the gloves. Because it was kind of a like a light bulb moment. It's like, oh, that's why she wears the gloves. She's not really a germaphobe. She has these powers, which coming into the show, we didn't really know that there was like a supernatural power for the mm-hmm. the family had. Um, which is kind of interesting thing about it. if if the mom had these powers, don't you think she'd kind of test out the house when they were kind of walking through it, and she'd get a sense of like, oh yeah, this house has got some bad feelings. Maybe, but maybe she just doesn't have that type of gift. I mean, Maybe. you know, I, I guess I didn't read up on it a lot, but I did see something somewhere referenced that migraines can be tied to psychic abilities, if you believe hmm. in that kind of thing. If you, you know, um, so I mean, her having migraines you know, and she can maybe feel something, but you know, Theo feels things that her mom doesn't. She's like, well, this whole house is cold, but her mom can only feel cold spots. Um, Mrs. Dudley claims to not feel anything. She's like, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't feel anything. I think she's in denial. She just like, I think she's very aware of what happens at that house and how messed up it is. And she's scared of something because, um, they don't stay there after dark. They won't live in the house and they seem to just like, you know, Nope, there's no cold spot. There's no ghosts here. There's no nothing here. Yeah. It's fine. It's, it's kind of like the respecting of, mm-hmm. like you know it's there, and, yeah. But you're gonna respect it. And you're not gonna you're not gonna tempt it. You're not gonna disturb it. You're gonna walk around it and do what you can and make sure that you're gone before the sun goes down. It's truly the best thing to do. Just pretend yes. it's not there and keep going on about your business. Yep. <laughs> and, just and then be like, stay just outside of the boundaries. Yep. Yep. That's, that's my number four is just kind of seeing how, you know, as we learn a little bit more about the Crane kids and see their different perspectives and what each of them are experiencing and what some see, what some don't see, um, and how they've each experienced things a little bit differently. So I like just taking a deep dive into that. So that's my number three. What's yours? I like it. My number three, it's probably pretty short and sweet because we don't really get a bunch about it. But we learn, uh, I think it was in the last episode, we learned that uh, Kevin has a secret bank account. Mm-hmm. It's a very short bit in this where Kevin and Theo are talking because he thought he heard somebody down there. And Theo tells him that, you know, he's basically asking about the checkbook and if he should come clean about it, which to me kind of sounds like, Maybe he knows that Theo knows things mm-hmm. because Theo obviously knows why why he has this secret bank account. And she says, you know, you just need to make something up. I don't remember all the things, but basically like, you know, gambling or a mistress or something that's going to piss off Shirley more than the truth. Yeah. Which, you know, first off, you think like, okay, if you have a gambling problem or you have like a mistress, like I don't know what would piss my wife off more than those two things. <laughs> if I had a secret account that I was laundering money through, uh, especially a mistress, I, I think there'd be two dead bodies at that point. Um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> but just I don't I don't know if you caught anything that I didn't, but I'm just really curious what this has because you know it's definitely was big in Shirley's episode. It was really big in this episode that they they brought it up. Um, you know, the only I just I can't think of anything because, like, she said, mistress. Because well, I thought I have maybe a theory. Have, uh, what's your theory on it? Well, um, so Theo took the money. Ah, uh, good call. <laughs> 
Good call. So he's been taking that money. I, I'm theorizing, but I'm, it's like we know how vehemently against Shirley was about taking the money. And I'm just, I mean, we've seen it in like every episode it's come up and how, it, like how pissed off she is about it and how she keeps bringing it up. Mm, you are super smart. Yeah, that no. makes sense because he controls the books so he could put some of that money in there. Um, when they just, just remembering when they're having the conversation and Shirley's like, we're not taking that money. Uh, Kevin was kind of like looking at the numbers. Yeah. He's like, Oh yeah, not taking the money. This is blood money. This is wrong. Yeah. But he didn't really say it. Like he felt like he was convinced you're smart. That's, that's a good call. I bet that's what it is. I just reading, like you said, his reactions in the episodes and how he, I felt, especially in this episode, I've, I've picked it up on other episodes and I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, to me, is it's what I because we see it in this episode that Theo takes it. So it's like clearly, and he's not. I mean, he is Shirley's husband, so he backs her up in front of everyone. Like, nope, we're not taking it. But again, in his reaction in this episode, when he kind of takes the book because it's not published yet, it's like the um, like just all in paper, the manuscript. yeah, the manuscript, and he kind of just takes it and pushes away. And he's after Shirley's like, well, we're not taking it. And well, of course, he's got to back her up in front of everybody, yeah. right? But I could totally see him going behind her back and being like, "Okay, yeah, we're gonna, I'm gonna take it." Yeah. She, she, you know, we need the help, or we got the business, and you know, she was pregnant in that um, scene. It was six years yeah. ago, so she was pregnant. So you know, you think about having kids and running a business. You want to have a little backup money for either the business or for your kids' college or something. But you know, he cannot tell his wife. Well, and he didn't really press too hard on her when she was giving people like discounts Mm -hmm. for their services. So I could definitely see him being like, okay, well, you know, you, you, we've skimped, you know, a thousand bucks here, 2000 here, 5,000 here. Okay. Well the book sales for, for the last three months cover that. So Mm -hmm. I'll let you do what you want to do to feel good. And then I'll put this money into our books and we're, we're actually making money. Yeah. And it would be a way for him to kind of, you know, um, have a secret account and like you said, kind of put it into the business and she would never know and he would never have to really bring it up. It's not like, you know, so I don't know. To me, that's that's probably what's happening because I feel like, you know, she's so strongly, like everyone in the family was so strong against it, but he's, and even though he's married Shirley's family, he didn't experience it, what they went through. He can't understand or appreciate why they feel, you know, that the way that they do. He agrees with Shirley in public because that's what you're supposed to do when you're, you know, you're a team yep. and you're married. So you got to stand behind your partner, even if you don't agree with them. Um, you argue about it behind closed doors, but you don't <laughs> do it in front of other people. You're like, "Yep, I got your back. I agree." And then you're like, at home, what the fuck are you thinking? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know how much money that's gonna be? <laughs> so, Papa needs a brand new car. Exactly. So um, I could totally see that them having that conversation. I can see where he probably tried to argue with her a little bit, or just re- maybe reason with her and be like, you know. We could do like Theo did. We can do, even though they don't know about that, but you know, he could be like, we could do something good with it. We could put it towards kids' college fund. We could put it into the business and we can do good or help people or do something Mm -hmm. with it. We can turn this awful traumatic thing that happened in your childhood and make something good out of it. Um, I would even, you know, I would even wonder like, what about doing something, um, I thought would be a really great idea is take some of that money and put it into like a, 
uh, scholarship or trust or something in their mother's name and, oh, yeah. you know, put it towards a charity or, or something that their mom believed in or something. And I don't know that that makes it right. I know there's be a scholarship for kids who've been scarred by ghosts <laughs> as ch- children. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that that makes it right either. I'm not trying to argue right or wrong on on what side you fall on as far as is it right to write this book and take money off of it? Is it right for the kids to take the money? Should they deny the you know the money? Should Stephen be making money? You know, I'm not going to argue for that. But if you're going to do it, try to turn it into something good. Yeah, I agree. But you know, but that's my number three. I think you solved the mystery for me. Maybe we'll have to see. But it's uh, the secret checkbook. <sighs> Secret checkbook. Yeah, that's never a good thing. Any, no. Secrets any are not secret good in relationships typically, yeah. No. But clearly he's got a reason why, and that's my theory. Okay, so my number two. I just want to talk a little bit about older Theo. Uh, I mean, this is Theocentric, and I just, I'm really loving her, so I want to talk a little bit about her. Um, I do find her to be the most interesting crane kid so far. I know this is only the third episode, but she's very persuasive. She's very charismatic and she's very appealing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you can see why the bridesmaid ran away with her. That's for yeah. sure. <laughs> oh, and that scene. So like, you know, they're trying to figure out who it is and she comes out and they're like, Oh, we didn't know that you liked. And she's like, what? Bridesmaids. bridesmaids? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. The looks on their faces. Uh, when because the bridesmaid comes out uh, and, and they get her rushed off, but then they're like, "Oh, well, let's hang out and see yeah, who, let's see who this is." Who, I know. bet it's Bob. Bob yeah. and them were eyeing each other. I can totally imagine myself in that moment too. And it was just their the looks on their faces was hilarious when when <laughs> as, Theo as was the bridesmaid or Theo at at Theo. <laughs> it was like, "Whoa, what the hell?" Um, and 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 kind of presents a moment like, "Well, she's just been outed," yeah. like. Not only in this moment have we found out, you know, Theo's in there following around with someone, but, oh, she's gay, um, which is awesome. But, uh, you know, the, her siblings didn't know that. She apparently was not out yet to her siblings, so, mm. which kind of really shows, I guess, how closed off Theo really is. Yeah, because this know, would have been, I mean, if this takes place in current time, 2018, this would have been like 2015, 2016, I think. Yeah. She's, she got married like two years ago, I think they said. Yeah, it was two years prior to like today that we see them in. So she's a full on adult. Um, they're, you know, she's got to be in her, you know, uh, late 20s, you know, somewhere. Yeah, I would say um, so. So, yeah, I don't know their exact ages, but I'm guessing she's got to be at least be in her late 20s, be, maybe almost 30s. I'd say 30. probably mid 30s. I think she'd probably be a little bit older than me looking at the timeline. It's possible. So I think my how I'm looking at I think I'm like Luke and Nell's age, like that 32, 33. Mm-hmm. So I think she would probably be like mid-30s. Yeah, I'm curious to know if we can find an age on or at least what the kids' ages should be um, in today's times. But she's older. She's an adult. You would think that if she was, you know, I mean, if you're out, you'd think by now that she would like have presented that and told people. Yeah. I mean, you think it, eventually it's going to come out anyway, whether it was something like this or whatever. But um, I think that just kind of, again, represents how closed off she is, even from her own family, not just like people in, in general, but her own family and how she keeps things to herself uh, because they get quite the surprise. Um so she, like you mentioned, she's this super child psychologist due to her touch sensitivity. And I think that the things that she's gone through, traumas that she's experienced has in this 
gift that she has makes her really capable of relating to children more so than what she does with adults. Um, and I think that that kind of put her on that path where she chose this career so she could help kids like herself that have been through things. Um, maybe she wishes she'd had someone there to kind of be there for her after mm. she had went through what she went through at the house and then losing her mom and that whole traumatic event. Um, her built-in empathy, you know, helps having gone through her own shit as a kid makes her perfect for her field and helping kids, especially in this case that we see in this episode with this little girl who tells a tale of a Mr. Smiley, which when you're hearing the, when this little girl talked about the story to Theo, she's, um, it almost sounds like, like a ghost story. And you're yeah. like, Oh shit, this little girl's seeing ghosts or something. That's kind of what you're led to believe a little bit. Um, but Theo, you know, she touches her hand you know, not deliberately, she doesn't make her shake her hand, but she kind of, when she's exchanging, like she takes that little thing away from her and she just, her hand kind of touches hers. And that's of course what she uses to kind of pick up on the kids and what's happening. Cause I think kids have a hard time kind of expressing themselves. Um, they can get very much like us. They can get closed off. They can put that wall mm -hmm. up and it's hard to kind of get, draw them out. And, and, you know, so she kind of uses that to her advantage to kind of figure it out. She's kind of getting past all the probably weeks and months of therapy that kids probably have to go through before you can kind of figure out what it is, number one, what it is that they're going through and then try to treat them for the mm -hmm. issues. So, but this, she can't, I thought what was really interesting, she can't read anything with this girl. Um, she's like a brick wall, she says. And, you know, Shirley's like, well, that makes her perfect for you because we know that, you know, you're yeah. exactly the same. And I really love how Theo is able to tell that story to her. Like, you know, I can, you know, put up this wall, this really strong brick wall. And she's like, you know, I think you're doing the same thing. And she's like, it's okay. It's safe. And um, no one can get to you. And she's like, well, Mr. Smiley does. And I think from that, Theo then picks up on this sinister, she just feels like something's wrong, even though she can't mm. read what's happening with the girl and see beyond it. Um, she's able to pick up on it. And it was so interesting that this little girl, this story touched her so much, Theo and this girl projected it so hard on Theo that she even saw this Mr. Smiley, this image of that, this Mr. Smiley yeah. on the edge of her. Oh my God. Another like freak out moment. Cause this yeah. happened right after the basement, there was the basement scene. And then there was this scene where she's in bed and her, you can see her covers are slowly being drawn off of her. And then this image uh, of, ah. <laughs> that's my biggest, like skin crawling is when like, the covers get pulled. I've had that happen before where like it's, I think it was a, one of the dogs or something got caught on the end. So it like slowly fell down off me mm -mm. and like you freeze in fear. Cause you're like, fuck, like, mm -mm. no, this, no, no. Give me those covers. You ghost. Mm -mm. I had this one moment, uh, years ago, we experienced a small earthquake in our area and oh, yeah. it was in the middle of the night. And so I'm in, and I'm home alone. My, when our, it, this happened while I was married. So my husband at the time uh, was working nights. So I was home alone. He always worked nights and I acclimated to being home alone. People thought I was crazy, but I'm like, I am perfectly fine with it. It's fine. Not if I was watching this damn show at the time, I wouldn't have been <laughs> fine with it. But I, I was like, it's fine. And my daughter was home. She was still in high school. Um, so she was home, I was home and we were home alone middle of the night, this earthquake happens. And I'm in an area where earthquakes don't tend to happen very often. It's not like we're in California and it's just, Oh, this Common is our place, tenth yeah. earthquake of the day. It's fairly uncommon. Um, but it was enough that I could feel it like my bed was shaking, 
but it felt like somebody was at the end of my bed. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. when someone comes in, like your spouse or someone comes in and shakes the bed, like, hey, get up, get up. It was like really shaking pretty good. And it was the middle of the night. So I kind of opened up my eyes because I'm like, who the fuck is shaking my bed? (laughs) And I could swear because you know how your eyes, when you first open them and you've been in the middle of the night and your eyes haven't quite focused, Uh it looked like somebody was at the end of my bed. Oh, shit. (laughs) shaking my bed and I jumped up the fuck? <laughs> scared the shit out of me and then I was like oh it's just an earthquake because once my eyes because the jump scare you know cleared my eyes really quickly yeah, yeah. Um, and realized it wasn't but yeah I, I haven't had the sheets pulled off of me or anything but I've had the bed shake and thinking that someone was there and that was enough I don't know if it was the same earthquake because we're kind of in the same area but yeah. uh, when it happened I was in college I think I was working like nights at the the sports bar I worked at. So mm-hmm. I wasn't getting home to like, you know, two thirty, three in the morning. Yeah. And when it happened at my in my town it was like six, maybe five thirty, six thirty in the morning. Mm-hmm. And I've always had this irrational fear of like like exorcism stuff, like the bed shaking from something like that. Yes. So I remember being so tired that it woke me up and I remember having the thought like, all right, I don't fucking care if this is a demon. I am fucking tired. So I'm going back to sleep. Fuck you, night. Oh my gosh. I did like, not. I, I should I had have been a, scared, but I was too tired. Oh my gosh. I should have been. I was so tired um, because I'm I'm not, you know, I was just very tired. But after that scare, thinking that someone was at the end of the bed and then realizing it was an earthquake. So I, then I realized it was an earthquake because it sounded like a train was running through my backyard. You know how they always talk about the noises. Oh, um, huh. From a from an earthquake, sometimes you can hear it. It literally sounded like a freight train was running oh, wow. through my backyard, and I we don't live anywhere near a train. Um, but I was like, "Why is my bed shaking? What is that loud noise outside? What the fuck is going on? <laughs> oh, it's an earthquake!" Took my brain some time to process it when it was so early in the morning. Had to go check on my kid. Are you okay? And she's like, "Why are you waking me up? Go away." She didn't care. But yeah, it was it was not a ghost. There was a reasonable explanation behind it, but it. it in the dark and with just like the little bit of the light coming in from my, my blinds, it looked like someone was at the end of my bed. And of course that's where yeah. my mind goes to. Yeah. Um, because that's me and I've seen about every scary movie in the world. But anyway, I totally went off of, uh, my number two, just talking about Leo so, or Theo, Leo, what the hell? Um, but anyway, I just wanted to kind of talk about how she uses her sensitivity today to help this little girl and I know we're going to talk a little bit about, um, or at least I know I will in greater detail about how she helps this little girl and what she uncovers. But I just really like Theo. I like her as a person. I feel like I can relate to her a little bit as far as how she can be so closed off. Um, and she's my favorite crane kid so far. So that's my number two. So my number two, uh, I think I don't want to talk about it, but you kind of have to talk about it. And so it is Mr. Smiley. Yeah. Um, let's talk about it. This is something that like, whenever you hear things like this, like these are the type of people that I hope, you know, get castrated, get sent to hell and burn for the rest of eternity. Because, mm-hmm. you know, y- you hear this all the time. Like they're, you know, foster families are supposed to be a place where, you know, there's kids or people that, you know, are, are essentially, I say unwanted, but they just, they don't have a place of their own. Right. And to open yourself up as a foster parent, like that takes a lot of work one. Yeah. But unfortunately these things that, 
kind of bring in, you know, people that are kids or, you know, even people to an extent that have issues, predators bounce on those things. Like mm-hmm. you think there's, you know, you think of like foster places, therapists, things like that. Like they can easily take those situations and be a predator towards it. And that's what happens here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Theo sees that this is going on, or she doesn't see that this is going on, but she sees something's wrong. Mm-hmm. And she goes to this house, I'm guessing expecting a ghost. Maybe I'm just looking too far into that. Maybe she was expecting more of what she found. Mm-hmm. But her reaction when she touched that couch. Oh my gosh. Like I saw her go down there like all the way through that. I'm like, okay, I'm expecting a ghost. I'm expecting a haunting. And in the back of my mind, it's like I'm hoping it's not what like the human scare, like the actual humanity evil. Yeah. But as she gets close to that couch, it's like this this gives me some not good feelings. And she touches the couch lays on it and you see basically just like like every icky feeling takes off and then she looks up and sees Mr. Smiley which w- what was causing Mr. Smiley mm-hmm. and again you know one I wonder if the the foster mother knew because uh, a lot of times when you see situations like this it's it's kind of hard to say that like one person doesn't know yeah so you know, I think of like I don't know if you've know much about like the Penn State thing that happened years ago. Mm-hmm. Basically, something like that's like, how did his wife not know? Like he would go to the basement with the kids that stayed with him. Yeah, and the same thing here is like, why are you taking a kid down to the basement? And uh, it's just it's, it's absolutely disgusting. Yeah, I. And it's always situations where people. And I was actually just talking to my to my mother in law about this more so, like the Harvey Weinstein thing. Mm-hmm. Like freaking people knew about it, but they kept it quiet. And I I hate that society can. It seems like we're getting away from that. There's things coming out that you know kind of are giving people I think courage to come out and say like, hey, this is happening to me. I wanted to stop, or this happened to me. I wanted to stop. But right, you look back years ago. It was it was like and. It's, it was basically like, oh, well, well, don't hang out with, you know, Uncle So-and-so. He's kind of creepy, which was code for like, oh, he's probably a terrible, awful human being. It should probably be shot. Mm-hmm. But the family wanted to protect the family or the, you know, the family one, like you think of Penn State, they wanted to protect the school. Get, you don't want it to get out and, yeah, and it's, cause uh, ruin and shame and everything else to the family that comes or that happens with that type of situation. And people, people don't say anything and, and victims don't say anything because you don't get believed. That's true. That is very true. It's, it's, uh, it's an icky thing. And it's, you know, this, I, you know, you watch, you watch shows like this, like you kind of don't, it's good and bad because it's like I don't really want to think about these things because it just ruins my day and ruins my experience. I mean, obviously worse than people actually have to go through it, I guess. Yeah. But it's it's good to see it, I think, in a sense because like, oh, yeah, there are, you know, evil human beings in this world. And, you know, you have to, you know, look out for that. Yes. And, you know, as a parent, it's one of those things, too, you're even just like – that's the one thing I think that scares me the most is like finding out years from now. I was like, oh yeah, you know, so and so, like they they did this to me. It's like I fucking trusted that person to watch my kid. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, as a parent, it I think it it this type of story would touch anyone and really reach something emotional for lots of folks. It's a very as has the other episodes, but this one again was you know certainly reached a a, a part. I think of, of just any person, but especially if you are a parent and 
um, are a child, or if maybe even if you're not a parent, um, even if maybe you've experienced something like this, maybe something happened to you as a child, um, and I'm sorry if it has, um, but I feel like almost anyone can probably relate in um, maybe some way. Um, but as as a parent, it is, is terrible. And this poor little girl is in the foster system. We don't know why. We don't know if she has real parents or not, or why she's in the foster system. But she is. And these are supposed to be people that are supposed to be people that protect her um, and try to help her through. For whatever reason, she's in the foster system. Hey, it's okay. You're in a safe place now. Um, and she's really not. And that I'm glad that you brought that up because it is my number one. And the scariest thing, and we've talked about it um, probably in Castle Rock too, in, in, in another one of our shows that we covered, was that it's not always something supernatural that's the traumatizing mm-hmm. and scary thing. It's the... Uh, in this episode anyway, is the more terrifying and evil was a child molester. And that is more disturbing than any ghost or, or anything um, that, that, that could scare you. And that's what the true evil is. And um, it, it makes me wonder that, so we had this episode where this little girl, you, assume, or at least I did assume that she's telling like this ghost story about Mr. Smiley when she's talking about, you know, how, you know, he follows her and he lives under the house and, you know, you're kind of like, oh no, she's dealing with a ghost too. Um, but what it is, is like, it's not really supernatural events. It's not what's really happening. It's, it's kind of covering up what's really happening. It's not a supernatural event. It's an even worse event, which makes me wonder if, something similar is happening in Hill House. Oh, I see what you're saying. So there's all these super scary, I don't know if it's anything like abuse or, you know, something like this, but you saw what visions or like little flashes that now, or sorry, um, Theo had when her father touched her. And I feel like maybe these things that the kids are seeing or experiencing kind of a cover up a little bit for what is maybe even more sinister mm. and underlying underneath the surface. Am I making any sense? I feel like I'm not no, articulating um, I mean, very well what I want to say. It's like, I, I have it in my head, but I can't say, I can't articulate it. So well, it's, it's kind of like, so I, I, you kind of start connecting some dots. So like the mother talking about like this happening to the girls, well, mm-hmm. the girls are the only ones that see this thing happening. Mm hmm. Steven or not Steven the Luke sees this too and he's the one that has like the most traumatic stuff happening to him yeah. and then you have Steve who didn't experience anything so I, there I can't remember what the movie is there's there's a movie out there that you go in and it's basically supposed to be like the very first haunting of the very first death from a ghost and I went to see this movie once and it fucked my head up because it's basically like you know 1860s out like in the middle of nowhere and like the whole like three-fourths of the movie is like a ghost movie. Mm-hmm. And then you, in the end, you find out, no, it was this girl who was molested by her father, and she just was basically, this is the story she made up. Right. So it kind of sounds like what you're kind of saying here is like, is this yeah. just something these kids made up or to, to basically block out this, like, to make they made up this story to block out something traumatic happening. Right. Um. Well, it's like this little girl, she's compartmentalizing what happened to her into this mm-hmm. story about Mr. Smiley. 
when Theo said like she put up such a wall that she couldn't even see through it. She, exactly. she thought it was something else. Exactly. So because there was an episode, uh, I guess it was a previous episode where Olivia was showing the plans for the forever home. And she was talking about a house can be like a human being. And cause she was talking about it being living and breathing and how it can be like a human being. And we see this little girl's house, this little girl at her foster house. It looks perfect, right? Picture perfect. Yeah. It's a nice, big, beautiful house, nice neighborhood. Looks perfectly respectable from the outside. But look at the horror that's happening inside of the house. And then Hill House. Um, the outside of Hill House, you know, when the kids are outside playing in the yard and you're seeing the house in the background this beautiful summer day, it looks beautiful. It looks nice. It looks beautiful, beautiful scenery. What's happening inside of the house? Yeah. Um, and if if you take what Olivia said about a house being like a human, then a house can be just as good as we are at concealing what's inside. Mm. So it's I don't an, know. I, I worry. <laughs> yeah. I worry about what we're gonna learn. <laughs> it's one of those things like you'd much rather it be a supernatural thing because that's like, oh, that's not that's not real, you know. Yeah. But if they throw like, oh no, humans are shitty things, and there are shitty humans. And this is stuff that actually happens. You're like, oh my gosh, like if I had a superpower, it'd be to, you know, basically snap my fingers like Thanos and get rid of every single thing like that. I knew you were going there. I was getting ready to say Thanos, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen Avengers spoiler or uh, Infinity War. But um, I was thinking the same thing if I could snap my fingers and eliminate every disgusting piece of shit that has even had a thought of doing something. That to any child and or actually done it, it would be over. Um, anyway, yeah, that's terrible. Um, yeah. this, so this, that's, that's my number two. It's definitely depressing, and I definitely, like I said, you don't like seeing it and thinking about it, but I think it's kind of it's good to see something like this that makes you snap out of your TV viewing experience and be like, yeah, there's stuff like this that happens. It's like, what can to I do to help? Be cognizant of it and be aware mm. and make you even more of an advocate for children and also to help protect your own child. I mean, um, you know, I know my daughter is not here with, she does not live here with me. She's an adult. She lives elsewhere. But I really, in that moment, wanted to hug my kid and just mm. be like, no, I, yeah. <laughs> you know, you just wanted to kind of hug your kid after, you know, uh, when it comes to light, what Theo discovers um, about what's happening to this poor little girl and what happens to so many, you know, um, little boys and girls and people all over. And it just it's just another reminder to kind of be cognizant of it and to not we need to be shining a light on it yeah. and we need to be exposing it. So I'm glad I'm glad that they kind of brought that to light in this episode. Yeah. One thing I hate the most is when like families hide that stuff. It's uh, it's like don't go near so and so because or don't be alone with them. It's like yeah, it's no, not, expose that person. It's get, not funny they need to, to have, go to jail. Yeah, it's not funny to have that creepy uncle anymore. <laughs> I mean, it's not it's not funny, um, and it's yeah. not good. Um, well, that was my number one. I think you mentioned we talked about your number one. Did you want to yep. change up your number one or talk any more about your no, number one? Uh, my number one was really just the sensitivity that's going on there and. Um, I think we kind of covered pretty much everything throughout. Um, Have any other notes? Uh, let's see. No, I'm pretty good on notes. Um, so a couple that I I talked about a few notes. I'm really curious. So in the end, when Theo finally visits Nell, because she got the hell out of there when Nell got to the funeral home. She was like, nope, I thought I could handle this, and I'm out. Uh, Nell, uh, she goes down to see Nell after 
Shirley has worked on her, and she laid her hands on her. Oh yeah, yeah. I forgot all about that. That was a that's a good point. <laughs> what? I think that was such a powerful moment. You did not need a big scare in this moment like uh, Shirley had when she saw her mother on the other gurney and her mother, you know, kind of rises up off this gurney and she sees her all horrible. You did not need that in this moment because whatever you didn't see that Theo did see her reaction when she just crumples to the floor, um, completely traumatized by whatever it was she saw. I don't know what she saw, but I can guess she saw her die. Well, and that's the thing too. So it was not like a, oh my God, I'm scared. It was an emotional, like I just went through exactly what Nell went through. Right. And again, like you talked about earlier is like, well, was this a tragic event? We, we've we seen her wedding throughout, but we've never seen her husband since. Right. So what happened there? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's what drove Nell to drive back to that place and commit suicide. Was it a supernatural thing? Was it just that because of events that happened in her life, she was extremely depressed. Mm -hmm. And I, I think we're going to find out because I mean, we've seen so far, we've seen Steven's story perspective, how he got to be who he is today. We've seen Shirley, this one, we got Theo. So it seems pretty good chance. We're going to see Luke and Nell. So I'm looking forward to those stories. You're, you're making me feel like with this, this episode and talking about, I feel like this is going to be a show that if it goes the direction of, Oh, ghosts aren't the bad people. It's it's humans. Like mm-hmm. it's gonna be super depressing. Like episode ten when we talk about that, I'm gonna be like, I can't drink because if I do, I'm gonna ball my eyes out. I know. I feel like if, if if it continues on, I may not be able to take the emotional trauma, and I'm just gonna be in my bed all weekend in the fetal position, yeah. <laughs> just crying or something. But anyway, um, I wanted to bring that up because I thought that was huge, huge. Um, so I'm looking forward to see what what we get from that. One thing I wanted to mention, I really enjoy – it wasn't just this episode. I think that they've done it in, in um, the other episodes as well. But what I think they really pull off brilliantly in this show is when they do the transition between the decades. Um, mm-hmm. So we have like when they're talking about how cold a room is or cold spots and then it jumps to present day. Theo standing in front of a refrigerator door open. Oh, good call. Like a cold spot. And then Theo grabs an apple. Young Theo grabs an apple. And then you see older Theo take a big old bite out of an apple. Yep. How it transitions. It looked like the one old Theo grabbed looked a little rotten to me. It did I don't look. know if you saw that or not. I did. Yeah. I questioned the uh, overripeness yeah. of that apple. But I, I love that whole – I like how they keep kind of jumping Um you know, back and forth in between there. She's putting the, she's older Theo is in her office and she's putting away the toys in this like toy bin that she has. And she dumps one and then it jumps to her younger Theo self as she's helping her dad clean out that cupboard when she discovers that vintage wine. Um, I just, I love that. I think it's brilliant. I think it's smooth and I think it's smart. Um, So I just wanted to make note of that. The last note that I have, because I didn't know who the hell this person was, and I wanted to find out, and I thought it was kind of interesting, so I thought I'd share. So in that conversation, when all the Crane kids are having that conversation with Steven, and they're arguing about um, him sharing his royalties, and they're calling it blood money, and they're having this conversation, and um, Theo hasn't read the book, and... She's like, I don't need to. I've heard the stories. I've heard your stories now. I've heard you, Shirley, and you, Stephen, deny it. Um, she goes, you guys talk or you pull a James Randy. And I was like, 
who is that? I know that Stephen and Shirley don't believe they haven't really seen what the other kids have seen or experienced. I know that I feel like they're in denial. So I'm like, who the hell is James Randy? What does that even mean? I haven't heard this name. So I looked him up. James Randy is a Canadian magician who made a career out of debunking the paranormal. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. The organization he founded used to offer a $1 million reward for anyone who could provide demonstrable evidence of the supernatural. No one ever won it. I, 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 where the hell did I hear that? Have you from? heard of that before? Have you heard of James somewhere. Randy? Yeah. Or, so, or his organization? Show. I think it was Joe Rogan. I think I was listening to that podcast and they were talking about that. Okay. I had never, I've never heard of this organization. I've never heard of James Randy. But when she said that, I was like, well, I kind of get how Theo and sure, or I'm sorry, Shirley and Steven are in their attitudes and that they're kind of like either in denial or they're just calling everyone crazy. Um, so who what who's this James Randy? And I just I looked that up and just found that little snippet and thought it was interesting. You guys can go Google him and get more information if you want, but that's all my notes. That's all I can stand to talk about this episode. It was heavy. I don't like it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> rough episode. Um I think after the sad thing is we're on episode three. We're barely a third of the way through this. I know. We still have uh what, seven more to go? Yeah. We need like a cheery episode after this. I don't know what. Like maybe we're gonna do like always sunny in Philadelphia season <laughs> whatever's good. <laughs> oh my gosh, after Maniac and because that yeah. was emotional and that was heavy. There was some heavy shit that happened. Um and yeah. I won't spoil it for anyone. If you haven't seen it, go watch it and then listen to our podcast. But it was it got emotionally heavy. So that was hard to take sometimes. That really <laughs> you know, drew me. What's gonna happen is when we finish this black mirror, it's gonna come out. We're gonna be like, oh God. That's pretty much about it. I think around the time we get done with this one, we might have time for something in there before Black Mirror. I have a feeling Black Mirror is gonna be New Year's Eve again. Yeah. Um and Black Mirror is always gonna suck your soul. Yeah. In some capacity. All right, well, the winter blues have kicked in, and so has Strange Indeed Podcasting. Somebody send over some antidepressants, please. <laughs> We're going to need them. No, see, that's why I can really relate to Nell. And I think it, or sorry, I keep saying Nell, and I keep meaning Theo. Nell just really strikes me also. Um, I find her a striking character, but Theo, sorry, Um you can kind of understand how she closes herself off. I mean, and why she wears the gloves. She feels things so deeply. And, mm-hmm. you know, there are, she's a truly, um, and, you know, an empath. And I feel myself as an empath. And I feel like that's why I can really relate to how she feels. Because I know when I, I have to limit my exposure to certain things. Like, I can't watch too much of the news and negativity because it really weighs on me. And I get... You know, and I think a lot of people do. I'm not saying that that makes me super special, but I, I, it, it, it's hard for me to shake it off. It's hard for me to let it go and just say, "Oh, well, okay, on to the next thing." I mean, it weighs those types of things really weigh on me, and I struggle with that. And um, so I feel like I can understand her and how she is so withdrawn from people. It's why she lives with her sister, I think, um, and just kind of closes herself off. But I did find it interesting. You know, at the end when she's screaming at her dad, she sees those, when her dad touches her, she sees those visions, shocking visions, which are clearly traumatic. Something happened or is going to happen. She screams, don't touch me, don't touch me. And then at the end, she's with her new lover again and tells her, touch me. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm wondering if she's starting to open up a little bit. If she's, you know, she's she's had that experience with Nell. She touched her, had that vision and if now she's wanting to open up a little bit. So I don't know. I guess we'll find out moving forward. 
Okay, sorry, that was, I guess, another note that I didn't have written down, but it was in my head. Um, For the news this week is one of our popular segments. It's becoming pretty popular. People are commenting about it, and that's our Hidden Ghosts um, of Episode 3. So pay attention, folks. I'm going to go through them, and then you can go back and rewatch. If you didn't catch them the first time, I'm going to help you out here. The first one that we have is The Face in the Door. Um, The ghosts are always watching, including when Theodora walks into the kitchen and catches Nellie and Luke examining the old-fashioned communication system. So when she's walking into the kitchen, look at the door to the right of Theo in the upper left panel, which is somehow now clear and includes the face of what looks like a very tall child. Oh my God. It's super creepy. Um, These hidden ghosts are fucking with me bad. Um, The second one is this raises the question of whether or not the cranes can even see these observant figures because there's a ghost standing right in front of Luke and Theo when they walk across the dining room. So this is right after Mrs. Dudley uh, had gotten on to Luke about being in the dumbwaiter. She was shooing the kids out of the kitchen saying, I have to clean the kitchen anyway. And so they're walking out of the kitchen into the dining room and this thing is right in front of them. So as they're walking across the dining room, look to the right of Theo's body and you'll see half of what looks like a matronly figure standing around a corner in the room. It's literally right in front of them. I'm getting chills. Um, Okay. So don't go in the dining room as Theo is uh, looking at the dumbwaiter. There's someone lurking in the dining room. This one is kind of hard to see, but look at the chair back, then move your eyes barely to the right. And you'll see what is clearly an arm. If you follow the arm up, you'll see a face. Um, yeah, not good. Not good. Uh, another one. This one is full of hidden ghosts, by the way, guys. This is, might be the most I've seen in this episode so far. Um, and we're only in episode three. So this one is the lady in black. As Theodora hunts for the ladder to the basement that no one knew existed, there's someone watching her from the corner of the room. Look through the glass door to Theo's left, and you'll see the distinct figure. Um, it almost kind of looks like the same one that watched her in the dining room. Ugh. Oh, my God. I'm just telling you, because you don't see these things full on. You see yeah. half of them, or you see just I a face. I looked really hard, and I couldn't see any of these. Jesus. So I'm going to have to go back and watch for them. Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, I'm so fucked up. This, Because that's, that's the thing you don't see, like just a full-on ghost. It's just Partials partial. And, you see an arm, yeah. you see a face, or you see half a body. Oh, my God, it's just not right. Okay, now this one. This one fucked me up bad. Um, I'm not right. I'm just not right after this one. So something is in the basement. This is not the one that came out creepy crawly after Luke. Or Luke. So the thing that lurks in the basement that attacks Luke on the dumbwaiter might be the least hidden ghost in all of Hill House, but it's gone when Theo goes down the ladder. That Perhaps that's because it's actually hiding uh, under nope. the ladder. Oh my God, I'm getting goosebumps. So... Look down a few rungs as Theo opens the hidden passage. When she opens up that door um, to the basement and she's looking down, look under the ladder. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's just not right. Um, here's another one. Something in the hallway. Uh, this one is very, very creepy. As Theo walks through the house, there is what is unmistakab- unmistakably a bald man just hanging out in the hallway behind her. 
it's just like, hey, nope. I'm here. Um, off in the distance. So this one, you need a really big, they said a big TV to see this one. Um, yeah, this, oh, where is this one? The, the one in the hallway. She's just walking through the house. Yeah, and if you look behind her, there's always this bald man just kind of always standing behind her and watching her. Um, this one's in the distance as, if you pause this scene and look, through the two archways behind Olivia. Olivia, this is when Olivia is giving um, Theo the gloves. You have to look really far out and you will see something standing two rooms behind the archway. I have also been told this helps if you up the resolution on your TV or like make it brighter. Nope. You will see it. You don't want to see it? You don't want to see it? You know what? (laughs) Um, Okay, last one. The man behind the lamp. So some of these hidden ghosts are more hidden than others. This is one that almost feels like the cranes should see, as there is clearly a man standing behind the red lamp when Stephen flees with Luke and Nell. Of course, there's also one that Flanagan very clearly wants you to see, placing it behind the only splash of color in the frame. So this is the shot of Hugh holding Leo and or holding <laughs> Luke. Where am I getting this, Leo? Luke and Nellie, and they're coming down the hall, and they're facing, you know, they're facing you. Look behind that red lamp. uh, Yeah. Oh, no. No, thank you. So those are all the hidden ghosts. Did you guys find them? Did you not? Do you want to go find them? (laughs) (laughs) Did you find any other ones? Um, We've had a lot of feedback on these hidden ghosts. And if you guys want, I'll provide you the link. Um, I'll go ahead and and prepare you now. The link that I have with these hidden ghosts, because I I see some of them as I'm watching, especially on my second watch. I I won't claim to see all of them, so this link does help me find them. I'll provide this to you, but I want to let you know if you have not seen the series in its entirety, it shows... All the hidden ghosts for every single episode. So as you keep scrolling down, it's going to continue on to the next episode. So you have to um, kind of be cognizant of that if you scroll too far. It will tell you when it's on the next episode. Like this is for episode three, this is for episode four, and so on and so forth. But um, be careful of that if you don't want to be spoiled. Um, But I'm happy to provide that link if you guys want it. Um, So anyway... Um, that's all that I have for this week for Hidden Ghosts. Um, we now get to messages from the room beyond the red door, listener feedback. Sean, why don't you take that first one? All right. Our first one comes from Pake Allen. So an incredible episode. I love Theo so much after this one. So she's not a germaphobe and actually has some kind of power or ability, for lack of a better term, to see and feel things from another person's perspective based on touching them or things they come in contact with. And her mother had a similar ability. Love that she has a job as a child counselor. That's a direction I'm considering going, so it's great to see, and her ability works well for her. Introduced with a handshake and half her job is already done. Oh, that's great, Paik. I already know some of what you do, and, and you already have a really wonderful job. And if you decide to go in that type of career, I think you would be fabulous at it. So I encourage that. Thanks for your feedback. Next one is from Chuck DeFore. Uh, he says, this episode made me really like Nell. 
Uh, that ability to see things when she touches a person would have to be a real curse. Oh, I think it means Theo. Yeah, I think it means well, Theo. He's, he's got my my curse going. He's <laughs> calling her now like I am. I think you mean uh, Theo there, Chuck. I'm just going to go ahead and correct you with that now. Um, he goes on to say, it seemed like when she went up to that bedroom with Luke and touched the bed was the first time it happened. Was that power transferred to her by that ghost in her bed at the beginning? And Luke, I can't begin to say how traumatized I'd be if I saw that ghost in the basement hidden room. Um, so you guys mentioned that site showing the hidden ghosts. Of course I looked. Now I'm fucking freaked <laughs> out watching this show, seeing these hidden faces. I have to turn all the lights on my house on at night now. <laughs> See? That happens. <laughs> well, thanks, Chuck. I'm always happy to provide a good scare. Um, I, I, you know what? I'm not going to be scared alone. I'm sorry. If I'm getting the shit scared out, scared out of me, I'm going to share it. And you guys have to be <laughs> right there with me. Um, I do like what we didn't mention that they're in the cold open, the beginning when Theo's door into her bedroom opens up, but there's oh, no one I, behind yeah. it. And I forgot about that on purpose. Did, <laughs> did you block it? Did, did you, yeah. did you build up that wall, your brick uh, wall and it's like, close yourself in? Uh, uh, it's like, well, who was holding my hand? It's like, oh, well probably nothing good. <laughs> that's creepy. God yeah. damn. Doors opening on their own is not fun. No. Uh, Lindsay Schlitch, Schlitch. Uh, Theo is my favorite of the siblings, so I really enjoyed this episode. She seems to be the most gifted of all the family, and she's clever and a little dark, but clearly has a good heart and wants to help. The scene with Luke and the dumbwaiter, followed quickly by the scene with Theo in bed, and Mr. Smiley at the foot of her bed damn near gave me a heart attack. The actress who plays adult Theo really showed her acting chops in the heartbreaking scene in the foster parents' basement, and then again the screaming and crying after she touched Nell's body. She was really fantastic. I really love the whole cast, but both adult and child Theo stood out for me. Another great episode that scared the crap out of me. I need to quit watching at night, too. <laughs> the scene with Mr. Smiley at the foot of the bed reminded me of the creepy scene in Gerald's game. If you've seen it, you know what I mean. Yes. So I decided to rewatch it. I remember Olivia was in Gerald's game, but had forgotten. So is the actor who plays Hugh. He's her creepy dad in Gerald's game. Really loving the podcast. You guys rock. Thanks, Lindsay. Um, yes, I did see Gerald's game. Sean, did you watch that yet? The new one? Not yet. I need to watch that at some point. It was really well done. I'm not usually a big fan of remakes. I'm always poo-pooing them all the time because I'm just like, stop doing remakes. This one was really <laughs> great. Um, it was really, really well done and had some really great scares in it. Um, just a quick mention of the actress who plays adult Theo. I, I, I got to learn these actors' names. She is married to Mike Flanagan, who is the director of this show and has a lot to do with the show's creation and reboot. He did a film that's on Netflix. So, we, you know, we are a Netflix um, kind of driven type podcast. There is a, a, a movie that he directed called Hush. Um, she is in that movie as well. She helped co-write it and she starred in it. And it was amazing. I watched it this last hmm. weekend. I would encourage all of you listeners, if you're a fan of that actress that plays Theo, if you want to see some of her acting chops and her ability, she, as I said, co-wrote it as well. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. This was a really good, scary movie. I thought it was um, well-written, well-done, well-acted. Check it out. Just a little side note there while you were talking about her. Thanks for that, Lindsay. Um, next one's from Laura Willie Swink. She says, this episode was not only one of the most terrifying, but also one of the most unsettling. I liked that we found out about Theo's psycho 
psychic ability to perceive things through touch. That explains so much about her standoffish attitude. We also learn that Olivia has a history of psychic abilities in her family tree. I've noticed that she's very open about it with the children whom she senses are gifted, but is not that open about it when she speaks to Hugh. I wonder if he's even aware that his wife is clairvoyant. I loved seeing young Theo stand up for baby brother Luke, first to Mrs. Dudley and later as they work together to figure out the mystery of the hidden basement. And that scene with Luke trapped in the dumbwaiter nearly made me pee my pants. <laughs> but the reveal of Mr. Smiley ugh, was the most horrifying part of the episode and truly made me nauseous. I really cannot stand child abuse stories like this. And though I'm glad Theo was able to use her abilities to put a predator like that behind bars, it left me with such a sense of sadness and the need immediately to go give my daughter a hug. I agree, Laura. It was difficult, but I think we need those things to remind us. Thanks for that feedback, by the way. So we got a couple emails. So the first one says, hello, Lord Thunder here. Uh, I finally got around to leaving feedback, which honestly I never do. Well, thank you very much for doing that. Mm -hmm. It's just something I'm not good at doing, unfortunately. Ever since I met, met Jason a few years ago at Heroes and Villains in San Jose, California, I've been a huge fan of the Podcastica Network, which in turn opened up a lot of great content for me to dive into. While I don't know you in person, I do appreciate you very much, Rima. Sean, keep doing your thing, brother. Uh, I think you're pretty awesome as well, sir. Well, thank you. Uh, I've been following Strange Need from its inception through The Haunting of Hill House, and it's been an absolute joy, and it's something I look forward to every week. I finished Hill House a few days ago, but I'm going to start a rewatch so I can follow along with the podcast. Again, I can't promise you another feedback, but know that I'm always listening and very much enjoy your content. I appreciate the time you take out of your day to make my long commute in L.A. traffic a joy. Your friend, Caro. Well, thanks, Carl. I really appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. Um, please leave more feedback. I, I really love that. Um, I love what you had to say. Uh, I, I don't mind getting my horn tutored a little bit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that sounds really dirty, and I did not mean That's it that way. Than you meant it. <laughs> I did not mean it that way, but I always enjoyed when, when someone gives us some really nice feedback and um, tells me that they help make their commute a little bit better. When I had a commute in my former job, podcasts got me through uh, the, the terrible traffic that I went through every day. So I, I totally get that. And thank you very much for sharing. Um, and thanks for being a fan. And, and uh, we'll be thinking about you out in that LA traffic. Um, all right. So this next one says, hello, Rima, Joe, and Sean. Just recently found your podcast while searching for the Haunting of Hill House podcasts. Like Stephen Crane said, I'm home. Since then, I've been going through your catalog. Thank you, James. Isn't that awesome. Nice? Always great to have a new member for our show. I know. Thanks so much. I'm glad that you found us. I hope that you enjoy uh, the other shows that we've covered and keep writing in. Thank you. Okay, we have a voicemail this week from our good friend, Steve Brown. Hey, Rumi and Sean, it's Steve. I have a couple of notes on Touch for Haunting of Hill House. Uh, I kept thinking of Bruce Springsteen's song, uh, Human Touch, every time I thought of this this episode. So uh, uh, nothing to do with anything, but just thought it was interesting that uh, that song kept coming up uh, in my mind. Um, when it says yesterday, uh, yesterday from when, I've, I've always wondered that, yesterday from when. Uh, I, I love the editing in this show. They have really great, and you guys have mentioned it, and 
we see it a lot in this when a, a character grabs a doorknob or grabs a door handle and it, it turns into another one, um, another scene from a future. It's just really great. The editing is so good in this show. I, I, I love it. Um, I, I love the line, uh, she's not mean, she's scared uh, from Luke. That was great. Uh, I, 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 I laughed out loud when... Uh, uh, they talked about how uh, Theo was into bridesmaids. Uh, I thought, I, I can say that. I'm kinda, I like bridesmaids. Um, okay. <laughs> um, um, uh, just just this, this whole episode was great, seeing Theo fighting with, with what she knows and what she doesn't know and uh, just, just all the stuff... Uh, seeing what's going on and, and, and seeing that Theo has some kind of power uh, was interesting to me and uh, I can't wait to see uh, or hear what you guys uh, have to say uh, talk to you next week uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, in case you missed that right there that was have a happy Thanksgiving I know I'm a little little drunk so uh, anyway, uh, talk to you later <laughs> Well, happy Thanksgiving, Steve. Thank you very much. This is going to come out the day after Thanksgiving. Um, so we're super excited to to kind of help you out with your turkey overload. Yeah, hopefully, uh, maybe we'll have a bunch of listeners out there listening to us as they're escaped from their families. Um, <laughs> you know, they've had enough of family and they're ready for some escape and they're listening to us right now. Um, thank you, Steve, as always, for that amazing voicemail. I always look forward to hearing what you have to say. You mentioned that you were wondering uh, that scene uh, where it said yesterday, because it always kind of tells you, oh, six years ago, two years ago, and that one said yesterday. Um, they kind of start out this series the day that now they found out Nell died, right? It always kind of yeah, starts from yeah. that perspective. We get each sibling's perspective of that, how that day starts. And then later in, in that day, they each find out that Nell died. And I think that that is where that yesterday. So it's the day before they find out about Nell is what I took from that. That makes sense. Um, and I was trying to think, I thought I had something else about his, Oh, the bridesmaids thing. I think if I was a bridesmaid, I'd totally be into Theo. Uh, she, <laughs> I would be too. She's pretty attractive lady. She's, I find her very attractive. I, I could totally see she reminds me of, she's got this Angelina Jolie look to her a little bit. And um, to me anyway, maybe to others uh. they're like, nah. But to me, she has this, um, her eyes, she's got these nice full pouty lips. Um, and just, she has this mysterious kind of, um, you know, um, aura about her. Um, God, I really am kind of enamored of her, aren't I? I'm just kind of going on. I just find her really attractive and I could totally see being into this um, person. Anyway, thank you all so much for that wonderful feedback. We got some really great feedback this week, not just about the show, but just, uh, you know, kind of letting us know that you're out there and that you support us. We appreciate every single one of our listeners um, that do take the time to listen to us because we know there's so many podcasts out there. And when you are listening to us, that truly means a lot. Um, so thank you so much for letting us know yeah. that. Yeah, thank you guys very much. It's awesome to see this feedback, especially when we get like an episode like this where we get a ton of it. Just mm-hmm. kind of makes me feel giddy on the inside. I so. know it warms my heart. It it it's what helps up, uplift me after watching such a difficult yeah. 
episode. Of yeah, we're podcast. sorry this is a depressing series right now. Exactly. We're we're all going to need to go out for drinks and some therapy yeah. after watching this series. So, again, well, good news is next week we will be covering the fourth episode from the Haunting of Hill House, titled <laughs> "The Twin Thing," and in this episode, Luke fights his addiction and wins and becomes mayor of his town that's what that's what that episode's about we're gonna turn it around (laughs) (laughs) no uh so the description for that episode is actually still wrestling with addiction and an unshakable fright a frantic luke tries to save a friend while sensing his twin sister is in danger we're we're really excited for you to join our paranormal investigation for updates from hill house you can follow us on twitter at strange t cast you can like us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash StrangerTCast. You can check us out on Instagram at strange underscore indeed underscore pod. You can email us at strangerthingscastpod at gmail.com. And you can also find us on the TV Time app. And you can find Strange Indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts like The Walking Dead Cast at podcastica.com. I think like their last episode was the best episode ever. Ever. You know, I don't know what was different about it, but it just like, like, I just felt like I was in the show. I know. I really felt like I was there. And <laughs> <laughs> I think that I'm hearing it, you know, I keep seeing all these little snippets of it might be the best one ever. I don't know. That's what I'm seeing. Yeah. And they're not coming from me. That's the thing. It's like, I'm not saying it was the best one, but I'm not not saying it was the exactly. best one. I'm not saying it. Other people are saying this, right? This is, <laughs> this is what I'm getting. So definitely go check out Walking Dead cast. It's amazing um, because, yeah, we're coming up on the um, mid-season finale. Mm-hmm. So go check them out. Um, and while you're checking out that amazing podcast with some really amazing people hosting that one in <laughs> the last episode make sure to check out sean and his other podcast the language of bromance that comes out every sunday oh yeah and uh this last time i'll mention it but this tuesday november 27th we'll be doing a live language of bromance in chicago at the beat kitchen uh it's at 8 30 i believe is the show time uh tickets are only 12 bucks if you go to the beat kitchen website or the chicago podcast festival you can find all the information there or just email us and we'll point you in the right direction and if you're doing a little bit of shopping for the holiday season uh make sure to check out our amazon link it is in the show notes no extra cost to you and it gives us a little bit of a kickback yeah because it is the holiday season and like we mentioned earlier um for us uh, tomorrow is Thanksgiving, and this episode will be uh, released the day after. So as you're Black Friday shopping, it'd be a perfect time while you're shopping to be listening to us. So I hope everyone has a really happy Thanksgiving uh, with your family or your friends or whomever you choose to surround yourself with. Um, make it a great one and uh, be grateful for the people in your life. All right. Well, that's our show. Episode 64, Touch. Until next time, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And Carl from California is strange indeed.